Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. For the past three weeks, we've been focusing on the concept of God as help. Hebrews 4, 16, 4, 16 says, We must come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain mercy and find help in times of our need. Okay? There's something called grace to help. Everyone say grace to help. Grace. Right? Something called grace to help. When grace is present, its effects within the life of the believer will manifest itself as aid or as assistance. As help given to you from the grace content, it's most operative in a time called need or time called trouble, time called distress, time called hardship, a time called between a rock and a hard place. That's when you're going to need the help of God. And I went through several principles thus far to indicate to you how to access this time or this help from God. Firstly, I said to you, have a revelation of the person of God as help. Help comes from God. It comes from Him because He is it. God is a present help in the time of trouble. He doesn't just dispense it. He is it. He is help, therefore He can give help. Very present help in the time of trouble. Trouble does not denote the absence of God. In fact, trouble publicly is when help, when God's presence is most accentuated or made known or visible in the life of the believer. Everyone say present help. And we explained um, to you uh, when we did that, that present means to find or to attain it means, very, very present means, it's a substantive advert, uh, advert, adverb, sorry. It means greatly, abundantly, mightily, or powerfully. It's a very present help in the time of need. And he can, as he offered King Uzziah, he can offer you marvelous help. The Bible says in Second Chronicles 26 and verse, I think it's verse 16 or 15, that God helped King Uzziah marvelously. Everyone say pala. Everyone say pala. Pala is the Hebrew word for marvelously, and it simply means to do something wonderful, extraordinary, something that's humanistically difficult to do. Then I said to you, we did a whole segment on how to access this help is from the person of the Holy Ghost. Because biblically in the, in the New Testament, he is called the helper. He is called the helper. The help that you seek from God comes to the person of the Holy Spirit and I encourage you to develop a very close relationship with the person of the Spirit. He's a person that is designed to help you. I said to you that he can help you and remind you of principles of the Word that you have installed into your spirit. Um, he discloses truth to you. I'm not going to go through the text right now. He helps your weakness in praying for, you, in praying for and through you the perfect will of God. He brings both the Father and the Son to you. 
We also said he reveals God's plans for our lives. And is the medium through which double grace comes, according to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I then encourage you, if that's the case, do not do two things. Do not grieve him and do not, do not quench him. If you do that, you will repress or extinguish his effectiveness within your lives. So I want to go through all the, the, the expressions, that's attitudes and acts that either quench or grieve the Holy Ghost. I would refer you to the last two weeks' messages They're available on my website. And we go through a detailed account of what behaviors and attitudes quench the Spirit or grieve the Spirit. If He is quenched or grieved, His operation and operational function to help you is rendered null and void. I then said another requirement would be to be humble. Everyone say be humble. Because it's only a humble person that says help. The proud person stands back and says I am fine. I don't need it. To say help means left to myself. I'm not going to find any way out of this. The moment someone says help, it denotes humility. But pride will keep you from a request for help. Right? Have you seen that in people? You can see they need help, but they, the pride tells them, no thank you. One of the most embarrassing moments I had was when I paid, I attempted to pay for somebody's groceries at Chickers. I was behind the person. I could see poverty in front of me. So I said to the lady, do you mind? I'll pay for your goods. And she looked at, at me with such disdain and contempt. She says, no, I'm, I'm fine. Just thank you very much. Very angry with so I said, no ma'am, no problem, carry on. You know what was that? That's the inability to receive help. Right? That's pride standing erect when it cannot recognize its need for, its need for, for help. The humble know how to receive. Listen carefully. As much as you are encouraged to give, know how to receive. Everyone say, know how to receive. But it takes humility and an acknowledgement on your part. I need help in this area. Okay, I need help. Therefore, I ask for it. Then cry for help. Sean encouraged us with that this morning. I discussed with you in times past various scriptures where the psalmist says, I cried for help and the Lord answered me. Okay, I cried for help and the Lord answered me. I then also discussed with you to get this help from the Holy Ghost. You need to be very sincere and truthful in your expressions of worship. And there we did the case study of the Syrophoenician woman, remember? And all she said was eventually she said she worshipped the Lord and the Bible says, and she said, Lord, help me. But she did it from her heart of worship in truth and worship in, in sincerity and she got answers to her prayer. And that's on one, one of the teachings on my website, the whole discourse on that passage in Matthew. Then I said to you, faith. Everyone say faith. faith. You, you have to have faith to receive help, right? You have to maintain your faith. Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman when she said, Lord, help me. And that self same hour, her daughter at home was grievously vexed by a demon, was set free. Jesus commended her and said, well done, great is your Faith. You cry for help from the context of great faith. And Jesus commended her. Okay? Great is your faith. 
your, uh, oh, woman, your faith is great, and a daughter was healed at once. And I discussed with you Luke 18, the importunate widow that came with continual coming, and, and the, the unjust judge avenged her of her enemies. Remember? And Jesus said, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And Jesus said, he will avenge his enemies. The Father will avenge the enemies of his sons quickly. Everyone say quickly. Right? And he will do it quickly. And uh, I said to you, don't postpone God's intended intervention in your life. Faith reaches out to the future. And faith says, I bring that in, that is in my prophetic future. I want to experience that now. Now faith is the substance of things. Hopeful. And we looked at various scriptures about the hastening capacity of God to help. God wants to do something far more quickly than you are prepared for. Right? He wants to hasten things to perform it in, in your day. Okay? Now, several other things which I don't want to take too much time. Um, I want to start today. I'm starting only now. Right? I want to talk about two aspects. In fact, one for today and one the next time. Time will not permit to discuss the two aspects thoroughly. Let me just say this. You can have all the above that I've just said. You can have all of it in place. You're not grieving the Holy Ghost. You're living a circumspect life. You understand the revelation of God as your help. You are humble. You're crying for it. You're calling on the Lord. There's tremendous faith. Um, your faith is built up. You anticipate quick responses uh, to the Lord for, for all that... He has desired for you. You are sincere in your worship. You're like the Syrophoenician. You're not given to hypocrisy. Uh, but if you lack this next dynamic, your capacity to access help is severely impacted. It's nothing new. Something that I've taught in times past, but I need to rehearse it again to make sure that your accessing of help in this dynamic is, is complete in terms of your theology. The issue is, there is help available, but it's from within the midst of God's people. Right? There's help from amongst Zion. There's help from amongst the people of God. Psalm 118, verse 7. Now, you've got to listen to me very carefully. Now, please track with me. I'll just be about 40 minutes, and then we'll wrap up. The Lord is for me. Among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. Now, question according to this verse. Where is the Lord for me? Where? Come on, talk to me. Where is the Lord for me? He is for me among those who help me. So, the help of the Holy Ghost designed to minister to you will usually come through people. Right? Will usually come to, through people. So it means you must be among the right people to access the, the help of the Lord. Another text is Psalm 20 verse 1 and 2. A beautiful text says the following. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high may he send you help from the sanctuary and support you 
From where? From Zion. So where is help coming from? Everyone say the sanctuary. Right? And the sanctuary, the support that comes from the sanctuary, classified here as help, will be from a place called Zion. Everyone say help comes from Zion. Right? So the Lord is for me from among those who help me. He will be for you if you are among the helpers. He is not for you if you don't find yourself within the context of those designed to help you. Now let me just say this to you. You're going to need help. You, you have to need people. If you, as much as you need God, God works through people to help you. If you remain independent, isolationist, schismatic, divisive, if you choose to remain alone, you choose to remain outside of the circumference and the scope of the help of God. That is why we are intensely relational beings. In this church, we love relationships, love to hang out. That's why I want to encourage you, the folk here at church, get to know each other a bit more. I've said this before. Invite someone you've, you've not made the time to, to meet or to interact with. There's some new folks in the house this morning. Get to know them. You might never know they might be carrying the keys to your next breakthrough. You don't relate to them on the basis of, I need you for what you can give me for my breakthrough. I simply love you. I want to develop a brotherly relationship with you. But in the process of my development of relationships, I find that the help God has earmarked for me is actually vested in you. Okay? Everyone say help from Zion. Help. Say support from Zion. The question is, if it comes from Zion, what is Zion? Right? Zion is not a geographical place as much as it is a spiritual reality. Now why do we say that? Hebrews chapter 12, go there, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says the following. But you have come to Mount? Everyone say you have come. So it's past tense. You have come. You're not going to go to. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, not the earthly one, the heavenly one, not the one in the Middle East, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is a descending reality, which is a succinct description of the church of God, according to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. It says the new Jerusalem comes down as from heaven, as a, come on, talk to you know the scriptures, as a bride. And who's the bride? The church of God. So all of these descriptors here, you have come to Mount Zion. Now he's going to describe what Zion is. It's the city of the living God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. It's myriads of angels sent ones, sent to minister the word of the Lord to the church. And then verse 23 says, to the general assembly. Everyone say, and church. and church. So what is Zion? The church. Tell you never Zion is the church. So if it says, it's going to give you help from out of Zion, the references to Zion must be interpreted symbolically, allegorically. Um, they're representative of a reality. It's a representation of the church of the living God. Okay? And we go on, but because of time, all I want to demonstrate is Zion is a representation 
of the church of the living God. So then, will help come from among the people of God? Yes or no? Yes. Help will come from among the saints in Zion. Okay? Now let me just say this to you. The more broadly you define that, the more the broader base of the help that you could receive. I want to say it again. The more broadly you, de you, you develop your relationships, the more wider you develop your relationships, the greater the context from which God has avenues in which to help you. If you only take the time to develop certain relationships, guess what? In your hour of your need, the only resource you have are those relationships. But the more broadly you seek to develop relationships, guess what? The help that you require is found in them. I've taken the time to know people. You here, that's you here, my first priority. But also other ministers from other congregations. Even some which are of different theological persuasions than me. We don't agree on everything, but there are fundamentals, there are commonalities that we don't compromise on, and we agree we are brothers in Christ, etc. And I've taken the time to take people out to lunches, and they've invited me, and we've developed quite a wide base of relationships. And the Lord said to me this week, you have such a broad base of people from which could help you in your time of need because you've taken the time to seek your brother out. You didn't do that with ulterior motives so that in the event of the hour of your need, you will have something to draw fall back on in terms of reliance on people. You've just developed a love for people and God said, see what I've done for you. Help for you now is available from Zion and I will send you, I will send you support from out of Zion. Amen. But in my quest for oneness and the building up of the church, God said, I'm going to send you support from this context. Your support, your breakthrough. That's why some people haven't heard. You haven't heard me, my cry for the past two years. Don't just build with you yourself and your little clan. Extend yourself to others. You never know what's waiting for you out there. Yeah? Let me just say this. Even within this local house, some of us are still clannish and cliquish. You never know this role, your breakthroughs in that role. And you've never taken the time to know your brother. Never taken the time to seek out a sister. How many of us here have said, there's a brother in my house. We've got the same spiritual father. When will I take the time to get to know my brother with no ulterior motive except to build family. Everyone say family. You've got to do this, brethren. I said this to you in the whole series on the favor of God coming to the house. It is vested when you take delight in the stones. When you favor the dust they are. And I'm, I'm experiencing this in my own life. I'm saying, God, wow. You see, you can have all the factors in place. And this is what God said to me. Your people are sincere. Some of them have great faith. Some of them know how to cry. Right? Got all the factors in place, but they're not, they're building too small relationally. Your relational circle is so small, if that thing fails tomorrow, you've got nobody else to turn to. Ask your neighbor, how broad is your relational base? How many of us have taken the time, let me get to know my brother. I love Randolph, my spiritual father, 
If you love me, you must also love the other son of mine, your brother in Christ. Who knows? Maybe something you need is in Kathy. And it's blind to you until you take the time to know it. Who knows that Bernier is sitting with a key to your breakthrough that you're looking for some, for, for some in some domain. But until you find your brother, you will never find your breakthrough. Until you find your sister, you will never find your breakthrough. Because God has vested help in the people in Zion. Yeah? Oneness of brothers. God says, I can send. There the Lord commands a blessing even. Life for evermore. Just put Psalm 133 on. Quickly. Let me just, I'll come back to this. I need to get to my message. This is not really what I need to talk about. Just quickly. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Right? So there is, everyone say behold. behold. What does an exclamation mark suggest in grammatical use in English? There's an exclamation mark here, guys, right? What does it say? What does it mean? Love. It's exclamatory. Behold, the psalmist says. I'll tell you about behold. Some of us, listen carefully. Behold means open up your eyes, guys. Open up your eyes, guys. Tell someone, open up your eyes, guys. Sometimes we just need to make it clear. The psalmist says, if you can't see this, if you can't see what I'm about to tell you from verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3, you will never prioritize it. Perception determines priority. As you see a thing, so you will engage it. For me now, the, 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 the whole issue with the Durban Connect Forum, I'm going to prioritize because I know, let me just read this, verse 2. It is like precious oil on the head coming down the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down the edge of his robes, verse 3. Like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commands a blessing, life for evermore. Now, repeat after me, for there. You need to ask, where is there? Because if there the Lord's commanding a blessing, I need to be where there is. Ask your neighbor, are you there where there is? Are you there there yet? (laughs) They ask you, little children, are we there yet, daddy? Are we there? We need to assess, are we there yet? Are we in this place called oneness? Because if there's an automatic blessing, not prayed for, not sought after, but automatically commanded, I want to be there. I want to be there. Where brothers dwell together in, in oneness. Okay? And that place is Zion. Right? The church of the living God. Right? The church of the living God. So then, I want to encourage you, we're going to broaden our relational base within the house. And then, secondly, as a house, we now broaden our relationships with other houses. Because, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers, as brothers, to dwell together in oneness. But one local church is a brother, corporate brother. Another church is a brother. When two churches dwell together as brothers, let me just say this. The more wider this thing grows, the greater the command of blessing. Can't tell you how I felt at the combined meeting of the Durban Connect Forum, the Tuesday evening meeting we had. Remember? Most of you were there. It was unthinkable. 
It was unimmeasurable. The weight of glory. Many of you were there. Right? And I just said, wow God, yeah, he's there. Where you command a blessing, even life for evermore. There's a place called there. Tell your neighbor, there's a place called there. It's like, there the Lord commands a, a blessing. You're going to find yourself there. Okay? Okay, you're going to find yourself there. Now, let me encourage you, if that's the reality, very quickly I'm going to run through this. Whatever you want to experience for your own life, you must learn to give to somebody else. If you want friends, you must show yourself to be friendly. I would say it like this. If you want help, so help. Help is a seed that can be sown for a harvest of help. If you want to be helped, learn how to sow it. Learn how to be, listen carefully. We often pray, Lord, give me this help. Yes, to the Holy Ghost, my helper. I've now learned it's going to come from people through Zion. Right? That's why the scripture says, do good to all men, Galatians, but especially to those which are of the, the household of faith. So I know all these things, God. So Lord, yeah, am I? I'm waiting. No, don't do that. You must say, Lord, yeah, am I? Use me as a help to somebody else first. I have something that could benefit another. Don't just seek to be the recipient of help. Seek to be the agent through which help is administrated in God. Amen? So are you going to be a source of help? Come on, are you going to be a source of help? Now, let me give you an example. Job said the following. Job 29 verse 11. And it really challenged my own heart. When the ear heard, it called me blessed. And when the eye saw it, it gave witness of me. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the orphan who had no helper. Now, I want to encourage you. Be the giver, not the receiver. See, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I've discovered the more I do that, the more I do receive. The more blessed position is to give. Job says something wonderful. Listen carefully. Look at verse 11 again. So he says, the poor, go back to verse 12. The the poor who cried for help, I delivered. That's a powerful statement. We often say God delivered him. Job says, comes if not, hang on, I did it. I delivered the poor. He's not being boastful or arrogant. Knowing him, we know the principle. It's God working through him. But he says, I did it. And we know the scripture in Philippians it says, For it's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Right? But how about you delivering someone this week? I challenge you in the Lord. Deliver somebody this week. It could be a pupil at school, Quinton, for other teachers here. It could be someone in your workplace. They need help. You are the deliverer event. If you posture yourself like this, I'm telling you, you'll become the recipient of divine help. Right? Job says, look at verse 11 again. When the ear heard, it called me blessed. Right? So, if Job was coming to a certain sphere, 
when they just hear Job is coming, the people say, yeah, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When the eye saw, it gave witness of me. Check Job 4.4 4 out. Watch. Job 4.4 4 says, the words, your words have helped the tottering to stand and you strengthened the, the feeble needs. This is one of Job's friends telling Job this. And the friend tells Job, Job, your words have helped the unsettled to be secure, the tottering to stand. And you actually have strengthened the, the feeble needs. That's your legacy. That's your testimony. Your legacy and your testimony. Some of you are sitting there and say, I have nothing to deliver anybody with. You want me to be deliverer? I'm going to ask you exactly what God said to Moses. What is in your hand? Ask him, what do you have? What is in your hand? Even the young people. You can deliver someone. Keller, you're delivering some people this week, right? Otherwise, you're going to help them. And let me just say this. It doesn't mean you must have a lot of money to do it. Sometimes it could be a word of wisdom, a word of advice. According to this verse, Job's friend says to him, what help people? What help people? Can't say your words. If you have nothing else, you can speak. If you have nothing else on your Facebook status, you can type something. So, listen carefully. And sometimes I'm tired. It takes time. I'm weary. I don't do it to get likes. Don't post on Facebook to get likes. Post to be a blessing to people. Right? Post to be a blessing to people. What will your legacy be when you leave the earth? That your words did what to whom? Did you impact anybody with your words? Okay? So I want to encourage you, let your words be full of grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you might minister grace to the to the years. You don't have to have much, but you have words. And let me just say this, everything you sow comes back to you. Everything you sow comes back to you. I know I would never be without an encourager because I've served as an encourager to many. So what I sow, I will, I will, I will read. Okay. The NLT in the same verse, the same verse says, your words have supported those who are falling and you encourage those with the shaky, with the shaky needs. Now, I won't go through all the text because of time. We have about 10 minutes. But take the references down. I'll just speak around them. Second Samuel chapter 8 verse 1 to 6. An amazing portion of God's listing of how he gave David victory over very specific enemies. Numerous enemies are mentioned throughout. Numerous enemies are mentioned throughout. And then in verse uh, 14 of Second Samuel chapter 8. Then in verse 14, uh, and etc. And this last, this last portion captures my heart. And the Lord helped David where? Wherever he went. Wherever David, the enemy came up against David. It says God was helping this brother. And the Lord helped David wherever he went. I want to ask you a question. At any level, has God helped you? At any level. Yes or no? Has God helped you abundantly? Yes or no? Yeah? 
Now, I want to challenge you then, if you have been the recipient of divine help, then seek to help another, despite your present need, even for more help. But position yourself to deliver another. Uh, now, just tell your neighbor, your new name is Deliverer. I'm going to deliver someone this week, right? Like Job did, when they see me, they're going to say, blessed is he who comes. Because you know when they saw Job, they saw a help. When they saw Job, they saw a deliverer coming. When they saw Job, they saw one with graceful words that support the feeble. Okay? Graceful words that support the feeble. And do you know, when David is established as king, the first thought on his mind, right? This is 2 Samuel chapter 9. The next chapter after this, his first thing, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. David said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? What was he thinking? He was thinking, I have been the recipient of such help. Is there anyone around still alive from the house of Saul, my greatest enemy, knock out, my greatest enemy, that I can show him some help and be of a source of kindness to him. And you know, eventually you would find Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. And the man was lame because at his birth, the midwife dropped him and broke his legs. So this brother grew up lame from birth. David says, Jonathan, my friend, showed great kindness to me. God has been my source of help. What I'm going to do, I'm going to practice. Is there anyone left from the house of not my greatest supporter? Is there anyone left from the house of my greatest enemy? That guy I want to help. It's easy to help your neighbor that you love. It's easy to help those deserving of help. But I challenge you, help those that don't deserve the help. Help the enemy. Help the greatest detractor to your destiny. Help the greatest opposer of God and just be a source of blessing and be a source of, of help to them. Amen? Be a source of, of help to them. I want to encourage you. You'll be amazed at what the Lord would do. Now, repeat after me. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Now, ask your neighbor, is there anyone in your life that you can show kindness to. By the way, I could go on and on about this, but I don't want to labor, labor this point too much. Do you know, when, when David, where was it, just before I think he came to Hebron, and then he would go to Zion, and he would rule from Zion for 33 and a half years. He gave an offering to every place that the Bible says he, he went. This was after the the battle at Ziklag. Remember at Ziklag he went, he let the children and the wives unattended, right? And the enemy came and took everything. When he came back, he saw a raided city. Remember the story? And the Lord said to him, he asked the Lord, shall I go and overtake these Amalekites? The Lord says, go, overtake and recover, or, and he pursued them. Remember that story? And on his way to pursue them, who does he meet on the side of the road here? A young Egyptian servant of an Amalekite. Yeah? Who raided the city? Which nation? 
Amalekites took the wives and children. He's now on a mission to pursue them. And who does he meet on the side of the road? A young, speaks of immature, an Egyptian, speaks of an historical Israeli enemy, the Egyptians, and servant of an Amalekite, speaks of one who aided, who supported the Amalekite raid on Ziglag. And the Bible says, and David stopped to help him, gave him raisins, gave him water because there was, he was near the point of death. <coughs> and David did not know that he was a servant of an Amalekite. David just saw a man in great need. Let me just say this to you by the Lord. Some of us are so fixated on purpose. And there's a guy on the side of the road. But we're so fixated on the assignment. We forget to stop and to minister to those in need. Now, this is not just any kind of guy, right? This is an historical enemy, an Egyptian. This is immaturity. He's young. Right? Let me just say to you by the Holy Ghost. Some of you just need to forgive people because they're just simply operating in immaturity. Don't hold too much against them. If you claim to be the mature one, then say like Stephen did, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even though you know they know what they do, just say, Lord... Forgive them. Yeah. They might be calculated. They might be very strategic and deliberate in what they doing. Lord, some will forgive. Yeah. I want to keep my heart clean. And you know what? When David helped the guy, he revived the Bible. And uh, he told David exactly where the Amalekite camp was. So the aid that David gave to the man, the man reciprocated by giving, in, by giving military intelligence to David that got him the answer that he was after. Let me just say this. If David had simply gone on with the quest, he, he would have missed important information in the quest that would have helped him in the quest. Some of you are so fixated on you, yourself, only me and my family, no one else. If you don't stop to engage the brother, you're missing out on critical help that will aid your process. Yeah? I've, I've determined what are those, those dates I said I'm missing another DCF meeting the Durban Connect Forum all of these dates we've had this meeting already on the 21st next one 17 and let me just say this brothers and sisters only five meetings in the year but who knows in these contexts when the church of God comes together that you're going to find a brother with divine intelligence for you that's going to aid your quest what God has called you to do. And do you remember David came back with spoil? You want to say spoil? Raided the Amalekites. He not only took what, he not only recovered what they took, he even recovered, he took from their wealth. And remember he came back, and I don't go to the story of Esau, the river there, where he insisted that those that stayed, looked after the baggage, must receive equal portion. You know what David did immediately after that? The Bible says he sent gifts to every one of the elders in each of the cities that he had traversed up to that point. And if you count, there were 12 of them. He sent gifts to every city. What was he doing? He was saying to those guys, in the time when I was running away from Saul, you gave me refuge. Now that I'm king, I'm going to reciprocate by blessing you guys, every elder in every city. I want to encourage you Everyone say, help from Zion. Help from Zion. 
Say it again. Help from Zion. Now, there's so much here. I want to go through one case studied in Rapa. Remember that I told you, when did God answer Abraham's prayer to make Sarah pregnant? When? That only happened when Abraham prayed for Abimelech's wife and maidservants who were barren. Not so? He prayed for God to break the barrenness of the king's wife and her maidservants. And the text, the very next scripture says, And the Lord took note of Sarah and said to her, And the Lord did for Sarah all that he promised. And Sarah conceived and bore a son. Just look at it quickly. Genesis 20 verse 17. You've got to see this. I know we've done this in the past. But the Lord said to me, Tell them again. Tell them again. Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids. And they bore what? Now you pray for someone else to break the barrenness in someone else when your wife is barren. Your wife hasn't conceived. But you're answering the prayer of someone else in exactly the same area where you need the help. But you're not focusing on your need as the priority. You're prioritizing the need in another. Right? And next verse. The Lord had closed all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Chapter 21, the next chapter, verse 1. Then, everyone say then. Yeah. Ask Abraham when. Yeah. Say then. Yeah. It says, after this, after he prays for God to break someone else's barrenness, then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. God breaks the barrenness of of Abraham's wife Sarah when he prays for the barrenness to be broken in the lives of others. Come on, tell someone your second name is delivered. Are you going to deliver someone today? Can help someone this week? I'm going to. You too. Can help someone this week at school? Even with words. I know you've got many words. It won't be a problem. Where's my greatest supporter today? Hey. Little girl. <laughs> What's her name again? Shekai. Remember Shekai that sits in the front here? Let me tell you a story. A few weeks ago, standing at the door after the service. Little girl. So she walks out. Pastor Randolph. That was a very good performance today. <laughs> I said, well, I perform. I didn't know. <laughs> he chuckled. But it was her way of saying, Amen, I received the word. <laughs> that was amazing. It was us, Yon and Sean. It's amazing how she internalized these concepts. Okay, last case study. Judges 18, verse 27. I've alluded to this case study in one of the series early on in the ministry here. But I want to re-emphasize it. They took what Micah had made and the priest who had belonged to him and they came to Laish. Everyone say Laish. Laish. Okay. They came to Laish. Um, if you're making notes, Laish means old lion. Old lion. The city means old lion. To a people quiet and secure. So are these people quiet and secure? Yes, they're living in a place called old lion. And they are quiet and secure. And struck them with the edge of the sword. So they are, they are false quietness, a false security, 
a false peace that is so true of many people today. They think they find, yet they are totally exposed. I said again to you prophetically, don't think you are, you, you are fine when in fact you are extremely vulnerable to attack. Right? You might be old. You're an old lion. What does old lion suggest? Old means experience. Lion means strength. Many people have the false sense of security because we've been in this thing for so long. We've done this, been there. We've got a history. And we've got great strength. Nobody can touch us. And yet the Bible says, some men came and struck them with the edge of the sword and they burned the city with, with fire. Next verse. There was no one to deliver them. I said to you, you're going to be someone's deliverer. These people had no one to deliver them. Why? Because it was too far from Sidon and they had no dealings with anyone. It was in a valley which is near Beth Rehob and they rebuilt the city and lived there. The people that conquered them. You see what the problem of these Laish people were? You think you are fine, you think you're secure, but you've isolated yourself from any source of help. In fact, you built the city in a valley which is near Beth Rehob and Beth Rehob, Rehob means the house of broadness or wide spaces. So you think, listen carefully, you're not a builder on a mountaintop, not soft. You're building low to accommodate breath. You're building low, you're sacrificing principles in your bid to extend latitudinally. And you think you're fine because you've got a history. And you think you're fine because you think you've got great strength. But your only problem while having all of that, you are, you know this word hits me when I look at it. Say far. Now some of you are far. You're too far. You're here, but you're far. Right? You're here, but you're there. Tell you ever, don't be too far. You see, you can't be too far when the help you need, you need to access. Don't be too far. The problem with these people, they were too far for help. Right? One last scripture, Proverbs 18 verse 1. He who separates himself seeks his own desire and he quarrels against all sound judgment. Tell your neighbor, don't separate yourself. Use of time, I won't comment. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the mouth, the abundance of counselors, there is victory. There's victory for you if you find yourself in a multitude of of counselors. Don't say you don't need anybody to help you, to advise you. You know, it, there is safety. You want to say safety. There's safety within the multitude of, of, of counselors. Okay? Safety in the multitude of counselors. Because of time, I will skip a few verses. Let me remind you of one. Psalm 102 verse 13. Quickly. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. For the time to be gracious to her, the appointed time has come. King James says the time to favor her has come. And that favor comes to those who fulfill verse 14. So if you want the favor of verse 13, fulfill the requirement of verse 14. Verse 14 says, your servants find pleasure in her stones and 
pity her dust. So you are the living stones of the house of God. So if you can find pleasure in your brother who is a stone, even though some are more stoned than others, and some are more dusty than others, dust is an image of the flesh, you're going to find pleasure in them. Look for the, the diamond in the dust. Look for the potential in the mess. Seek your brother out. The reason why I'm quoting this verse too is the Lord reminded me of something and I sent it to you in the WhatsApp group this morning. Remember I posted that picture to you. I posted this picture to you and this was done I wrote here, on the 17th of April 2017. It's almost a year ago. We're dealing with this whole issue of the favor of the Lord. Remember? And I mentioned these things. The Lord said, I, I wasn't looking for this. I was searching for something uh, on my Facebook page of various albums. One of the albums are my teachings. Notifications for my teachings. I was looking for something else in there and, the, and I, my eyes dropped on this. So, oh, this, the dates hit me. By God's grace, you will experience what was promised. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time, next year, and Sarah will have a son. That's what God said to Abraham. This time, next year, and prophetically I said to you, May, and this is what I wrote to you. I'll repost it to you this afternoon. This is what I wrote to you in the WhatsApp text. Uh, on the 17th of April 2017 I wrote what will you have next year this time that you do not have today Turn up it's time it was the 17th of April 2018 around the corner and I wrote what will you hold next year this time that you do not hold today what will you experience this time next year that you have not yet experienced what will you administrate next year this time that you have not yet administrated? Where will you have gone by next year this time that you presently have not been? This time next year, how closer would you be to God than you are presently? By this time next year, what aspects of God's will for your life will be done? By this year next time, would you still have the same excuses for your non-attainment of your spiritual goals? By this time next year, would you be vastly different and in the strongest place spiritually? By this time next year, trust God. Walk blamelessly before the Lord. Nothing is too hard for God. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord God to Abraham? By this time next year, you're going to hold a boy in your hand. Now, that was the 17th of April. Now, I want to just bring three prophetic impressions together. Can we do that as we close? The one was this. I want you to build your faith. Say, have great faith. God's going to help you. Don't, don't think that your problem is unsolvable. God's going to help you. Have great faith. And the Lord has given us dates to work with. Right? And I want to have great faith that God's going to respond in the hour of these time frames. Then, on the 16th or 17th of February this year, I read a text to you that um, it's in Nehemiah. You go there quickly. When Nehemiah completed the wall in 52 days, and it says, 
and this, the nations will say, by the help of God, we have done it. Right? Everyone say 52 days. So 52 days, I think it was around about the 16th of February, the 15th, that I sent that WhatsApp impression when the Lord gave me that verse. If you count 52 days from that, it will take you to the 8th of April. Everyone say the 8th of April. So there are two significant days I want you to hold in your heart. The 8th of April and the 17th of April. Say with me, 8th of April. Say 17th of April. I'm saying the 17th was a year ago, I said by next year, this time. I'm saying to you, 8th of April, because of the 16th of February, plus minus, I said to you, this impression that God helped Nehemiah build the wall in 52 days, and would be said, God helped him, that God's going to, some major aspect of his will for our lives would have been ratified and fulfilled in 52 days. Say 52 days. Right? Now, lastly, on my birthday, Dr. Seki stood up here and he pronounced a three-month blessing of Obadidam on me. And he said, from three months, expect this. Remember? So we have like a third witness. And three months from the 17th, where my birthday was celebrated, would take us to the 17th of May. So I'm holding in my heart three dates before the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, 8th of April. I'm saying, the Lord, 17th. Oh, by the way, the next DCF meetings on the 17th of April. Corporate context. There I command my blessing, even life for evermore. Life forevermore. I'm holding those dates firmly within my heart. Now, I want to encourage you. I'm going to ask you, do you believe? Yes. Do you believe? Yes. Do you believe? Yes. God said to Jehoshaphat, believe God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will. And you will. You will prosper. Don't violate any of the conditions. All promises are conditional. Have faith and trust in the Lord. Amen. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Just where you are. I will send you support from out of Zion. I will send you support and help from out of the context of the church. The Lord says and challenged us, you help. You deliver someone. You sow a seed of help and sow access and help. I will give you a sign for good. Psalm 86 says, I'll give you a sign for good. My family has received several signs in the past. They said two weeks, too much to, to enumerate. I'm going to quote this to you. God says, Psalm 86, verse 16 and 17, I will send you a sign for your good. Send you a definite sign for your good. Stand with Let's be serious. With faith and utter sincerity in your heart. To stand before the Lord. Say, God, I've heard all of this. I'm going to impart the grace for deliverance to you so that you can function in this. I ask you, what is in your hand? What do you have? You might say, but Randolph, I've got nothing to give anybody. We are in such need ourselves right now. You're telling us to be a blessing to someone else? I'm saying, yes, Abraham did that. His wife was barren, but he prayed, he used whatever grace he had to bring deliverance to another context, and God brought breakthrough for him. David helped that Egyptian. God defined, brought definition to David's conquests. Amen. Lift up your hands to the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, our loving Father, we come to you. 
God, our hearts are filled with faith. Teach us to give as a culture. Teach us to help somebody as a culture. Let it be a reflexive thing within our hearts to help someone. Even if it's going to be with the words of our mouths, may it be said of us as it was said of Job, that he helped the tottering to stand with these words. His words were life. Words that you give us are spirit and they are life. And we are all life-giving spirits. We give life by our words. For life and death are in the power of the tongue. So God, I ask you anoint every one of our lips today. Come on church, receive this. I anoint your lips by the power of the Holy Ghost in the grace of God. Your speech will be grace to minister a word to him that is weary. I pray that you will be anointed to speak graceful words that will cause the tottering to be steady. And when they see you, they will say of you like the Job, oh blessed is he who has come. You will deliver the poor, will be delivered from your poverty. I prophesy to you, you will deliver the poor. God says, I will deliver you. When you need it in the hour of your need. Is there anyone from the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? Is there anyone? Can I search for someone? I will send my soldiers out. Search for anyone that's remaining from that context. I want to employ a principle, David thinks. May that be your portion, church. Find someone. Find them today. Find them tomorrow. Pick up the phone. and Give an email. Give a visitation. Take some groceries to someone. Buy someone's lunch tomorrow. Pay someone's phone bill. Pay someone's telephone bill. Whatever you have to do, do something. Say, God, I'm going to be the conduit of your help. And the seed of help I sow will reap a harvest of help to me. Help is easily accessible. And it's available for you. May the Lord bless you from out of Zion. May the Lord support you from out of Zion. May you be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You are well able, church, to do these things, not in your own power, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus. I bless you today. I bless every one of you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord endow you with whatever you need to do His will with great effectiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.